Welcome. You're listening to the podcast of First Church in Woodland, California, Pastor Timothy Wisnett. We're so glad you could join us, and we pray that this message you're listening to today is a blessing to your day, and I want to invite you also to visit us online at firstchurch.app to get connected with us and learn about our service and upcoming events, and uh, we hope that we can connect with you and see you soon. That he is leading us to. John 10, and we're going to read verse 26, but believe, but ye believe not because ye are not of my sheep, as I said unto you, my sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me, and I give unto them eternal eternal life, and they shall never perish, neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. Verse 29, my father, which gave them to me, is greater than all. No man is able to pluck them out of my father's hand. I just love the way Jesus just tied this off, knowing that some might be confused as to who the father is and who Jesus is. And he first said, no man can pluck them out of my hand. Then he said, uh, Brother Moreno, nobody can pluck them out of my father's hand. And then he just summed it up in verse 30. He said, I'm my father one. So he his hand is my hand. My hand is his hand. Amen. And we're going to continue on tonight talking about knowing the will of God. Everybody say, knowing the will of God. Amen. Let's pray. Thank you, Lord, for your word, for your presence. Lord, for the victory and the joy that we feel in this place tonight. I pray that you would open our understanding to even a greater level. Give us wisdom. Give us clarity. Give us direction and give us strength. In the mighty name of Jesus, we pray. And everyone said, Amen. Amen. God bless you. You can be seated. It is uh, 7.35, and my goal is to be done at 8.05. Amen. From my lips to God's ears, praise God. Amen. Last week, we talked about um, we talked about knowing the will of God, but the second part, um, or rather the third part of verse 27 We've been breaking this verse down. My sheep hear my voice, so that's hearing the voice of God. He said, and I know them, that is, that we are in a, in a relationship. See, a relationship with God cannot be a one-way thing. If you are in a relationship with somebody, but it, you're only in a relationship with them, and they're not in a relationship with you, we call that uh, second-degree stalking. And you are a creep. <laughs> We all had that one friend in school that had a girlfriend from another town, right? I always had a girlfriend from another town. Really, what's her name? Well, I'm not going to tell you because I don't want you to try to find her. This is way before Facebook. You had to pull out the phone book. Let your fingers do the walking. Her name is Emily. Well, how come I've never seen Emily? Because when she lives in another town, what color eyes? Blue, hair, blonde, or brunette, or whatever. Never saw her, never met her. You know, it was always the, the imagination, right? Or you had the, the one guy that, or girl, I'll be an equal opportunity critic, that always had that, they love me, they just don't know it yet. Right? And so God spends all his existence with you saying, they're going to love me, they just don't know it yet. Amen. You can't be in a one-sided relationship, it's not healthy. And if you've ever tried to be in a one-sided relationship, you know it's a miserable thing. And so in verse number 27 of John 10, Jesus is saying there's three parts to this. One, my sheep hear my voice. Two, I know them. And three, they follow me. Amen. 
because uh, how how terrible would it be to be in a marriage uh, where you, you you know you weren't together? Well, I mean, don't answer that. Some of you, some people would be like, "Are we talking only on the weekends? You know, once a month?" Amen. Praise God. Um, if you left here tonight, you you went to separate cities and separate homes, and that's that, that wouldn't be much, wouldn't be much of a relationship. And this is what the implication is here: is that my Jesus said, "My sheep hear my voice; I know them." Now Daniel said it like this: Daniel said in the last days that the people that do know their God shall be strong and do exploits. We all want the exploits, and there, there there's nothing wrong. You know, a little boy out in the backyard playing baseball. With you know, with himself, or throwing the football around, or, or the little girl holding the wooden spoon, pretending to sing. They are never pretending to be mediocre. Now, that little boy's not in the backyard throwing the ball in the air, going, "One of these days, I'm, I'm going to be on the bench for a third-rate minor league team. Boy, will I be good enough to sit on the bench and make enough money to get to the next game." And the little girl's not holding the wooden spoon, imagining to singing to a to a karaoke club, right? When she's pretending to be married and she puts the towel on her head and clips it on like it's a veil, she's she's not imagining a wedding at the JP. She's imagining an aisle with a runner and all kinds of overflowing and and princess type fairy tale. Uh, we enjoy, but to get to that point. There has to be some effort put in it. The people that do know their God shall be strong. We cannot fast forward in 2023 the knowing our God. We can't fast forward that. I think Bishop Emery was preaching that on Saturday night so capably. We've got to become uh, even more a people of prayer because that's how we know God. We know God through prayer and through his word. And I'm not going to belabor that. I've taught on that in weeks previous. He said, and they and they follow me. Say that with me. And they follow me. And we talked last week about following God and gave some instances and uh, some time in, in, in my life where I have followed God. It is, you know, Paul said this. Paul said, follow me. How many know the rest of that? Follow me as what? As I follow Christ. So following Christ is a journey, not a destination. It's a journey of following after the Lord and knowing the will of God. Now, if you missed any of this series, not because I think this is uh, that I'm just such a wonderful Bible teacher, but a lot of this, what I'm saying tonight, will make sense if you go back and listen. I don't even know how many parts we've had of this. Three parts. If you go back and listen to the other three parts, this will make sense because to get to the point of following him, you first need to know his voice and you need to know his will. And I believe and I contest um, that the will of God is not a hard thing to know. It is rather a harder thing to follow than it is to know. His will for our life should be uh, that of an easy thing. And I want to follow after him. I, I want to follow every day that I live. I want to follow after the will of God. Can you say amen? Amen. Knowing God's will is one thing. Following after God's will is yet another thing. I need to have the faith. And I need to have the confidence that I am going to be able to follow after the will of God. Amen. Uh, let's go to Colossians chapter 2. 
in your Bibles. If you're taking notes, write this down, Colossians chapter 2. We're going to break this down for a few minutes, and hopefully I will be able to bring the horse back to the barn around Ephesians 1, and then we'll put it up in the stall. We'll try to pick it up next week. Amen. Praise God. He says in verse number 1 of chapter 2 of Colossians, he says, For I would that you, you knew what great conflict I have for you and for them at Laodicea. And for as many as have not seen my face in the flesh, that their hearts might be comforted, being knit together in love, and unto all riches of the full assurance of understanding, to the acknowledgement of the mystery of God and of the Father and of Christ, in whom are hid all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. Amen. Verse 4, And this I say, lest any man should beguile you with enticing words. Uh, for verse number 5, he says, For though I be absent in the flesh, yet I am with you in the Spirit, joying and beholding your order and the steadfastness of your faith. Amen. Now, in verse number 2, he is talking about being knitted together. Everybody say being knitted together. How, how many here do knitting? Me here do knitting. You do that. That's that's pretty complicated stuff. I Me, mean, I've watched people on the airplanes do knitting, and y'all got the patience of Job doing that. They get all these little loops and they run that long needle thing through there. I, my grandma used to knit, and and you got to get those hoopty hoops just right, or you'll have big gaps in it, right, or it'll wrinkle up. And and he said, look, with knitting, to my understanding, I don't know much about knitting. Again, show of hands, who does knitting or has done knitting in here? One, so the expert is over here. Don't lean on my understanding of this. Um, I've, I've never knitted, you know. I spit and shoot stuff, okay? So she, I, I don't knit. And <laughs> my understanding of knitting is you've, you've got to make sure that you're small. What do, they call them loops, right? I only know that because I overheard it. Your loops have to be of the same dimension. And you have to keep them pulled tight because if you let the loops go here, it's going to open up the rest of your design. And it's all going to, Paul said that I want your hearts to be knitted together in love, in love, that we would take effort to make sure that we are all connected, not just of the same fabric, which is of the same spirit, that is the spirit of God but that it would be tightly woven together. The Bible said in the Old Testament that when the armies uh, of the enemy came against uh, Israel, that the Bible said they, they stood knitted together as one man, meaning that the armies of Israel, the armies of God, locked together arms so tight that the advancing enemy could not tell how many opposing enemy or how many Israelites were against them because they were so joined together shoulder to shoulder and hip to hip that they didn't know how many men they were facing and they fled from in front of them. You, you, know, what, you know what will absolutely wreak havoc on the enemy in your life? Being united together with your family and your church family in the bonds and the unity of love 
and in the Holy Ghost. Amen? And that's why we have to be uh, knitted. To, I, I know this is very basic and elementary stuff, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to leave you uh, a little bit of the deeper end of the pool here in, in, in just a minute. And then he says, in whom are hid all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. I believe I touched on this in week one or two about all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. Now, here's the thing. It is hid in him. It is hid in him. Now, who is the him that wisdom and knowledge is hid in? Jesus. It's, you throw an answer out at me. As long as you don't say LeBron or Kirby Puckett or, you know, Brad Pitt, we're going to go. It's a good answer. Keep it between the pages of the Bible, all right? All right? So I'm teaching. If you're going to pass the class tonight, you got to throw some answers at me, all right? So who's the he, the him that we're talking about? talking about Jesus and Paul writes to the church at Colossae and he says that in him who is that him is hid all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge and then he starts saying I say this as any man should beguile you with enticing words and and enticing words there uh, simply means persuasive uh, uh, it, it would the, the persuasive there would would almost be the Greek uh, picture of what was known as the, the the Roman Senate how they were very persuasive as politicians to be able to, to persuade not only the public but even Caesar himself with their words he said I, I want you I want you to know Jesus I want you to have a relationship with him uh, because if you don't somebody's going to come along with persuasive, enticing, silver-forked-tongue speech, and they're going to be able to lead you astray because you don't know who that God is in your life. And verse 3 said that in him, and again, who is that him? In him is hid all the treasures. I want to tell you something. Wisdom and knowledge is a treasure. It's a treasure. It's hid in him, meaning that only those of us that are born again, those of us that follow after him, can find that treasure because to be in him, to be in Christ, you must first be born again of the water and the spirit. Now, I'm not going to go through all of that. That's for another Bible lesson at another time. But you're not going to get the wisdom and the knowledge of Christ until you have first come into the kingdom of Christ. Amen. Aren't you glad that you have repented of your sins? Aren't you glad, amen, that you have been washed in the waters of baptism and filled with the spirit of Christ? Amen. Because that brings you in. Now, now I'm going to just uh, back this up. I said, be done in, at, at, so I got about 15 minutes. So I'm going to slow down and I'm going to hunker down right here a little bit. And I'm going to talk about this for a moment because, and I often go back to this and I think, and I, I pull my glasses off for a reason because some of y'all look at me funny when I say this. We, we get our own little sacred theology cows. Right? We get our own little sacred cows of theology we don't want to mess with. But I'm going to tell you, I've got my knives. I'm going to butcher it tonight. <clears throat> Amen. Because we get our own little theology, because we sing about it, or we've shouted about it, then we think, well, it must be uh, unerably true. <clears throat> and I think what we have done in the past is in our, in our zeal, sometimes we say things that really aren't so. And, if it, and, and it's not out of malicious intent, but it's out of zeal that we do this, then we end up setting up ourselves for failure. Let me give you an example. All right? If I were to tell you to follow your heart, right? Doesn't that sound good? Don't ever follow your heart. 
That's the dumbest thing you could ever do. As the Bible says, the heart is deceitfully wicked above all things. Don't follow your heart. Say, well, I followed my heart. Yeah, you've had how many career swaps? How many marriages you've been through? Following your heart? Don't follow. Your heart will lead you wrong every time. Amen. And, and, and so, but it sounds good. Oh, they're a good person. Okay, I, I understand what you mean, but Jesus said there's none that's good. You see, our intent is, out of our zeal, is to say something uh, that, that will make us, that make our understanding feel a little bit better about the situation. But you don't follow your heart because your heart's wicked. I mean, my heart said I could be Superman when I was a kid. And I put a towel, and I know none of y'all ever did this, but I did. I put a towel under my shirt. Don't not, you, I'm, I can't believe, you're too smart to have done this. Put a towel underneath your collar of your shirt and run through the house and think, well, that thing flapping in the wind, well, if it flaps in the wind like Superman did in Superman 1 and 2, and we got a bootleg version of it, and we watched it. We didn't believe in TV back then. We had a colored radio we watched it on. And so <laughs> we'd run through the house, that cape flapping in the wind, and if the towel was too heavy, you'd get a, you'd get a, a pillowcase and you tuck because it had to flap in the wind or you weren't Superman, right? And so we'd run through the house. Y'all know what I'm talking about. Run through the house doing this. <laughs> and when you saw it, I'm tired now. I shouldn't have had an extra bite of maple donut yesterday with bacon. And then, 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 if you believe that one, say, wow, man, I'm Superman. I'd look in the mirror and go, I am Superman. I just wish I'd have had the, 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 uh, the black hair that, um, what's his name had? What, what, Clark Kent, but what's the actor's name? Huh? Christopher Reeves. I almost said Clark Gable, and I knew that wasn't right. <laughs> I thought, man, if I just, and I remember taking my hair and trying to get that one curl to go down like he had. But my daddy made us wear a flat top as long as he paid for them. When we could pay for our own haircut, we didn't have to wear a flat top anymore. So we didn't look like poor river bottom kids, you know. I wanted my hair to be a little longer and curl right there, but my hair didn't curl. And it wasn't black. And believe me, I tried. I got shoe polish in there. And I about got the life beat out of me. I was, in a, I was a mischievous kid. Well, I wouldn't say mischievous. I would just, you know. I was having fun. I was having a good time. My mom beat me half to death putting black shoe polish in my hair because it got in my eyes and it didn't feel good. I've always wondered, what happens if you get beat half to death twice? Because I've been beat half to death a lot. And so I, so if you believe in that, you follow your heart. You've been beat half to death before, haven't you? And you follow your heart. You're like, man, I can fly. I'm running through the house. My cape is flapping in the wind. I, be, I believe I can fly. I believe I can touch the sky. Think about it every Some of y'all are going, don't sing that church. We did this as a choir song. <laughs> and when my pastor found out it was from Space Jam, he fired the choir director. That's a true story. 
the sing of that ungodly carnal stuff in there. Well, it would say, it's kind of got a gospel me singing it. Spread my wings and fly away. I believe I can soar. We had choir motions to it. We did. We went, see me running. All the old people in church thought it was great. They were just crying. <laughs> True story. Ask Bishop Hurst about that. So we get on top of the house, and because, and, you know, we, there's a better view of the, of, of the lay of the land on top of the house. We live in the middle of nowhere. We were in the country. I've told you all, we live way out in the country. June bugs didn't show up till August. We are so far in the country. I'm sorry, I mean, we live way out in the country. And we got up on top of the roof, and I'm, you know, I'm, I'm the younger brother, and we get up there, and we're looking around, we're scoping it out, we're trying to find, you know, the evil people that have come to take over Gotham woods. You know, trees were skyscrapers. We climbed trees. You ought to see us play Ninja Turtles, too. I feel sorry for kids that only have video games, man. We had a blast outside. And so I remember looking over the edge of the house, and my brother goes, you can fly. You think I'm kidding. I'm like a 14, 15 foot of the house on the ridge pole of the house. I'm looking over. I said, you really think so? Listen, I want to when you're, how many here's a younger brother to it? You got an older brother. Raise your hand. They're the lionest suckers God ever created. All right, am I telling the truth? They will lie to you, and you believe them. You be, I believe, if my brother said the moon was made out of cheese, I would jump on a spaceship with a tortilla chip. I'd believe anything. Because, I mean, he's my big brother. He, he, surely he's not going to lie to me. What I didn't realize was, looking back, now that I got some wisdom and knowledge that was hidden in Christ, he's trying to get rid of me to get more toys at Christmas. He said, oh, yeah, you guys just, just, uh, yeah, just, you know, that cape works. It was flapping in the wind. I said, really? And I'm looking over. He said, yeah. And he kicked me right off the house. Bam, I hit the ground. I couldn't even cry. It hurt. I mean, but it was, we had a water leak around that end of the house, so the ground was real soft. Thank you, Lord. And so I, went, I sunk into it about three inches, and I was like, oh. And he comes down the ladder, and he gets down. He said, you tell Mama I'm going to beat the fire out of you. So I never told Mama. That's, hey, what are big brothers for? Built a zip line in the woods. Said, we're going we're gonna to be real army Rambo. And I said, great. And he ties a, ties a rope in the top of the tree. He goes, there's a, a creek that runs down there. We're up about 10 feet. You go over the middle of it. It's about... It's about 18 or 20 feet over the creek. He's like, we're going to be real Rambos, man. I was like, oh, man, real Rambo. Yeah, so we put the mud on our face and put the red bandana on our head. We had, we had Rambo survival knives. Some of y'all know what I'm talking about. And, and he, he says, all right, but you're going to go first because, like, you're the, you're the elite guy. I'm like, so I get to be like my like codename Michelangelo, he said, you get to be codenamed Michelangelo, which is the cool Ninja Turtle. He says, but you go first. And I said, all right. I get on that limb. We had an bi old bicycle handle tied upside down on that rope. 
And I'm, all I'm thinking is my brother's going to think I am the coolest guy in the world. I'm going to be Rambo. And as soon as I leapt, he started giggling because he had purposefully not tied off the other end of that rope. And I hit limbs, boom, 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 boom. And I hit the ground, and he's up there giggling. He says, it hurt? I said, no, no. I hear him hollering out, hurry up, the Russians are invasion. Get across the creek. You know, we're over there with our guns. I said all that to say, don't follow your heart or your big brother. Because <laughs> my heart said I could fly, but it can't. My heart said I could be Rambo, but I wasn't. In Christ is hid all the, all the treasure of the wisdom and knowledge that is only through him. And we say truths sometimes that don't accurately reflect the word of God, and we set ourselves up for failure either in ourself or we set up ourselves for, for other people to fail us or us fail other people by zealously saying things that are incorrect. Does that make sense? Okay. Now, I know I haven't started screaming. I didn't even scream last week. And we, remember that? Last week I did this, and, man, we, we had a great time in the Holy. I didn't preach Sunday, so this Sunday I'll get wound up. I, I'm planning on sweating a little bit to bring the towel and extra water. I'll get all wound up. So I'm just, I'm feeling like teaching on midweek. Just, but we'll say, my mom used to say, cleanliness is next to godliness. I heard, I heard Sister Nickel laugh. She heard that before. Did you believe that was in the Bible too? Whew, that's some vinegar in that thing. My Lord. My throat's been kind of Flemish. And I told him, I said, put a couple scoops of apple cider vinegar in that water. Yeah, good job, because it worked. It's gone. That take varnish off wood. I thought cleanliness next to God. I thought that was in the Bible. I really did. You know how disappointed I was when I found out it was? I remember getting my first exhaustive uh, concordance. And that's one of the first things I looked up, Brother Ryan. I started looking for cleanliness going all down. Well, there's a lot of scripture about cleanliness. Amen. Then I find godliness in that. But I couldn't find them together. And I remember I thought I was a Bible scholar. I walked in with my exhaustive concordance under my arm. Because they're about to. And my Bible and I would come marching in the kitchen. And I said, Mama. <laughs> I said, it ain't even in the book. She said, what's not in the book? I said, cleanliness is next to godliness. No, it's not in the Bible. And you're always telling me, when I clean my book, if you walk in there and find a book laying on its side, cleanliness is next to godliness, cleanliness is next to godliness, implying that I'm not next to God because my socks aren't in the drawer. Now, did you say cleanliness is next to godliness? I said, it's not in the Bible. And she looked at me, and, and, and I'm just going to condense what she said. Basically is, you don't get there and clean your room. You can ask God in first person. 
But but the intent was there. You know, used it to motivate, you know, to motivate us. To, because there is some of that, to, to being clean, and, and God's a, a clean God and all that stuff. But we say things, and sometimes it sets up for, one of those things, and I've, and I've approached this before, and that is this, to say that we, we would tell somebody, when you receive the Holy Ghost, it's going to change you like that. And we, I've heard that my whole life. I, and I, you know, I, look, the intent is great, but we set people up for failure. Be, because I've seen people delivered from drugs like that. I'm one of them. Delivered from drugs and alcohol, just like that. Never had a withdrawal. Never had a desire or want for it again. But it, the Holy Ghost didn't change me. Because I, I was still the punk I was before, I would say. For me to change is going to take is going to take some work. God's not going to take the work out of the changing process. Does that make sense? God's not going to take the change out of the working. So for for me to change, I can't do it on my own. Remember how you tried to change on your own before the Holy Ghost? Remember how you tried? I'm going to be a better person. Every year you had a New Year's resolution. You're going to be a better person. You always end up being worse by the end of that year. But along comes the Holy Ghost, and it doesn't instantly change you, but what it does is it now gives you a power source to help you overcome. Right? And as long as you're willing to follow him and to seek him and to know his voice, then the Holy Ghost will give you the power to do things you didn't think you could do before. How many can say, I'm doing things now that 10 years ago I did not think I could do? Yeah. Right? Like eating the bacon maple donut. Amen. The Holy Ghost helped me do that yesterday. I'm just kidding. But how, I, I, I'm seriously, how many of you in a place right now where you're walking with God that when you first got saved, you would th- have never thought you were going to read your Bible every day? You would have aspired to it. Pray every day. You would aspire to Come on, let's be real. Being at church and being faithful to church services, uh, paying tithe, giving offering, you looked at the first day you were saved, saying, well, what? Do all that? I, there's no way. But with the help of the Holy Ghost, the more you know him, the more his spirit empowers you, then now you find yourself able to do things that 10 years ago, and in some cases, even a few months ago, you didn't even think were possible. Why? Not because of our own strength, but because greater is he that is in us than he that's in the world. And his spirit empowers us to change. Right? You've, you've heard me say this before. And so, so we say that Christ in us, that's what the Holy Ghost is, is Christ in us. That's what it is. It's Christ in us to give us the power to change. But Paul said, and we often use that scripture, if any man, we, we use this about the Holy Ghost, and it's not about the Holy Ghost. We say, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things have passed away, behold, all things have become. That is not about the Holy Ghost. It's not. Christ in me is the Holy Ghost. The Holy, any man being in Christ, that's the relationship. That's the Holy Ghost giving me the power to now get in Christ. Now, the reason I'm bringing that up is because it falls right in line with what I just read in Colossians where he talks about that in him. Everybody say, in him. i say it again. Say, in him. In verse 3, in him, in whom are hid all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. If you want the treasure of wisdom and knowledge, Listen to me. Thank God for the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Thank God for shouting and dancing and speaking in tongues and all that. But you're not going to get the treasure of wisdom and knowledge just by praying in tongues. You're going to have to get 
in Christ because that's where he has hid it. He hasn't hid his will, but he has hid wisdom and knowledge and reserved it for those who will allow the power of the Holy Ghost to activate in their life to begin to get in Christ. Does that make sense? Amen. Because that's what he wants. Look at somebody and say, that's what he wants. He wants you, he wants you to walk in here. Now, now next week, and uh, Brother Lucas, if you'll come, I told you I was going to be done quick. Next week, we're going to talk about in, in, in the term of the will of God. Well, Thanks again for joining us for this podcast. It's such an honor that we could have you, and we pray you were blessed by the word today. We want to stay connected with you, and so give us a follow on our social media pages on Facebook or Instagram. You can find all of those on our website at firstchurch.app. You can also stay connected with us through that uh, website, and you can download it as an app on your phone from there. And so until the next time, we pray you're blessed. Have a great week in Jesus' name.